0: Historical growth has no relevance. What matters is future growth. And future to a large extent is unpredictable. Future is also cyclical. In my 20 years of investing, Raj, all I can tell you is, I have seen at bottom valuations, companies get, at bottom profitability, companies get bottom P multiples. And at peak profitability, companies get peak P multiples. And that's how you have hundred baggers in the stock markets. And that is why you have 95% to 99% erosion in stock prices. Right. Which is, which is an irony, which normally you would think that as profit margins expand as this, you would start to think that the P multiples will decline. It doesn't happen that way.
1: Hello listeners. My name is Raj Singhal and welcome to another episode of Breaking Investment Stereotypes. Here we deconstruct world-class investors or wealth managers and deep dive into their investing journey, professionally, personally, or both. This episode is brought to you by multiply.co where we believe that investing is an ignored life skill. Our mission is to create a platform where people can find fellow investors, discover investing products and share investing ideas. We have now gone live and thousands of users are already part of a vibrant community. So do check out our app, which is there both on Apple Store and Play Store, or simply just sign up on web. I wanna give a little guidance on how to use the shows. None of the following should be taken as an investment advice. Please see multiply.co slash disclosures for more information. My guest for today is Siddharth Bhaiya. Siddharth is the managing director and fund manager at Equitas Investment Consulting Private Limited, a boutique investment firm focusing primarily on PMS and AIF offerings. He is a qualified chartered accountant and the driving force behind Equitas Investments and has over 20 years of experience into equity research and equity fund management. With Siddharth's multi-bagger and contrarian stock-picking approach, Equitas has delivered 31% CAGR return over the last nine years, leading to about 1,000% absolute returns. He has been instrumental in taking Equitas from a startup to a $250 million AUM with one of the best performance track record in the industry. Uh, with exposure across all market capitalization companies, he is a specialist in bottoms up stock selection. Siddharth started his career as a research analyst with Social Finance and has worked with StratCap Securities, Principal PNB AMC, and Reliance Capital Asset Management. So without further ado, please welcome Siddharth Bhaiya. Hey, Siddharth, welcome to the show.
0: Hi. Hi.
1: Thank you so much. You know, so I want to start with something very interesting. And, you know, I was going through your uh, Twitter account and I found your Twitter bio very interesting. And let me read it out for our audience. Stocks, stocks, stocks. I breathe, drink, eat equities. And I'm here not to take stock, but to talk stocks. I am the next multi-bagger. Explain yourself, Siddharth.
0: Okay, lovely. So I think uh, that only tells you one thing, my confidence in my own abilities, This was written 10 years back. I haven't changed it till now. Wow. So
1: you're saying 10 years back you wrote this and you have not changed that.
0: I have not changed my bio since 10 years. 10 years back probably had 10 followers who were all my friends and who had no option but to follow me because I was following them. (laughs) (laughs) And so yes, but I had that belief way back in 2012 when we started Equitas that we would do something really good. I had no doubts about that. Like Buffett said, you know, that I always knew I was going to become rich. And when I started Equitas, I always knew that we were going to do really well. Okay. It's, 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 not, it's not arrogance. It's not any of this thing, but it is just the confidence that we have in our own abilities. So, yes, it isn't something that I have written after I became successful. This was written when nobody knew me.
1: Okay. Awesome. And when
0: I started Equitas, I was fairly good at my work but I was somebody who had never interacted with anyone. Anyone who knew me knew that this, this guy has a little bit of potential, but not many people per se knew me. So just to give you a brief background, Raj last, I, I became very active on my Twitter also close to two years back before that I wasn't very active on my Twitter as well, right? So the major part of the last two decades I've spent only on honing my skills lot of people in the market spend a lot of time interacting with each other networking anything i said networking is bullshit if you're if you are skilled people will come and want to network with you so focus on building your skill sets
1: okay awesome so help us understand about you know what were you doing before uh, what made you start equitas um, uh, tell us about your journey
0: okay fine so that's uh, raj so basically i completed my ca in 2001. Right. And I think that was one of the best things that, uh, that ever happened to me. And uh, I wanted to uh, get, I always wanted to get into the stock markets. I had seen that during my article ship days, I'd seen the tech bubble. I invested after all the tech stocks had crashed 90%. And then I saw them crack another 70, 80% after I had bought. That's when I learned the definition of what uh, uh, the definition of a stock which is uh, declined 90%. It is a stock which is crashed 80% and then halved. That's the definition of a stock, which is (laughs) crashed 90%, right? So uh, tough times, but uh, I realized somewhere I got this, that this is my calling. And the best way to do was uh, to become a research analyst. Those were the days just after the dot-com burst and just before 9-11 markets were very tough, very difficult to get a job. So as they show in the movies, I actually took out 100 printouts of my resume and I went and gave it to every broking house. I took the list from the NSE website and I went and approached each one of them. Luckily, I got call- calls from two of them. One of them, uh, the one where, where I joined was because they gave me 800 rupees more, which took care of my first class pass. <laughs> and that's that's how it started. First day in office was 9-11. Oh. <laughs> But, uh, and to a large extent, over the last 20 years, I've lived, breathed equities. I've read more than 500 books on uh, investing. I've read, practically met most of the managements that are worth investing in. And yeah, just focused on honing my skills. Then I, I worked on the sales side. I was, before starting Equitas, I was with Reliance uh, Capital Asset, which is now Nippon Asset Management, and uh, I was pretty disillusioned in, with the manner in which the industry works. 2011-12, I had certain personal reasons because of which I had to quit Nippon. And while they wanted me to come back, I decided I wanted to do something on my own. And I felt that this was the this was an industry for the wealth manager, by the wealth manager, of the wealth manager. Right. The the fund ma- the fund management entity made money. the wealth manager made money, but the client seldom made money. You had entry loads and exit loads and high fees and everything. And we said we are going to do things differently. So the first thing that we did we did a lot of things differently in Equita, so we actually disrupted before the word disruption came into place. One, we did not uh, we said we are not going to work with distributors or financial intermediaries. So whatever AUM that we have been able to, we close to $250 million right now is only through word of mouth and references. And in spite of all the wealth manager going and telling their clients that I have a better product than this, because I'll get commissions over there. <laughs> <laughs> so in nine years of my journey, I can tell you not a single distributor has gone and recommended a product to their clients. Okay. So one is that, Second is, we said we will do all our research in-house. So we do not rely on third party for any of our research. And while we, uh, while we will read all the external research reports that are relevant to us, but we don't rely on brokers for calls. for buys. So we built a very strong in-house research process, a very strong uh, in-house research team. And our process is also very unique. A typical day in Equitas, We actually pay people to come to office and read newspapers. (laughs) So uh, you have to read four newspapers a day. Financial newspapers, we're not talking about Bombay Times and Cine Blitz. (laughs) 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 And we go through a lot of raw primary data, which is your announcements, which is uh, your corporate announcement. So we go through every single corporate announcement that is there till four or five months back, we did not have anybody in business development and marketing. right Now we've uh, we're growing, we're getting a lot of inquiries, things are getting a little out of hand and uh, you know we've, we're building a team over there as well now as, as we grow. So yeah, in a lot of ways, we've acted uh, with a very long term horizon. And for us, uh, Raj, even today, uh, of the nearly 75% of the money that we manage, is actually profits that we have made for our clients. This industry is driven by AUM, whereas our goal is not AUM. Our goal is to generate returns for our clients. Awesome. That's what it is, right? That's, that's, the, yeah. uh, that's the objective of if you If you were to give him your money to money manager, what is your
1: goal? Your goal is that he makes money for you. Absolutely, absolutely. Right? No, that's, that's awesome. So I want to understand, you know, you were like 10 years into your career uh, when you quit uh, Nippon, you said you never used distributors. Uh, how did you get your first check into the fund? Oh, very difficult, very difficult. So we got,
0: uh, I, we started off with 10 clients and uh, 10 crores. And those 10 clients did not believe in stock markets at that point in time. You had inflation, which was running rampant. The rupee had gone from 53, 54, all the way to 70. And anytime you open Bloomberg or any of those things, you saw that old fatawa rupee notes. (laughs) Those are the images that they used to (laughs) depict India. right? Oil was at close to $100 plus at that point in time. And it was very difficult, but I spoke to 10 people. Uh, I spoke to a lot of people actually, but there were 10 people who said, while we don't believe in the stock markets, I think this guy talks sense, and yes, that was the most difficult part of the journey to get those ten clients. And today, our first client who started off with one crore, that single account is worth sixty crores. Wow, that's that's and more than seventy-five percent of those
1: are profits for him.
0: Okay,
1: that's 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 great to hear. Uh, you know, let's, let's dwell around the whole psychology of money. And and I'm not talking about a book here, right? Actually, psychology of money, because the people say, right? I mean, very true. Right? We all have seen yeah. in our life, 80% of the market is all about psychology, right? Yes. It uh, is. While everyone reads Munger, Buffett, you know, we all read that. We all tweet about it. We all write that. But, you know, how do people implement that? Yeah, so think, help us understand. Yeah.
0: So that's the most difficult aspect. Implementation is the most difficult aspect. Okay. So first on psychology of money. Okay. So I keep on telling my clients that I am, forget your family, but besides your family, I'm the second most important person in your life. The most important person in your life is your doctor. Your health is your most important aspect. But when do you worry about health?
1: I mean, you oh, fall. Oh, only,
0: oh, oh, only, when, only when it goes out of whack. Of course. Re- yeah. Rest of the time, we're all worried about money. Yeah. And you know, a lot of people who even on their deathbeds are worried about their money. only. <laughs> <laughs> right. So yes. majority of our time we spend worrying about money. And why do we worry about money? Okay. So money, uh, we part of the animal kingdom. I've shared this before, but I uh, just for the benefit of your audience. You know, I before think, you start,
1: I, I have a, I have a, my own theory, that theory, why we worry about money. We worry yeah. about money because we don't know how much is enough.
0: No, oh, no. Okay. That's I, fine. Let me, yeah.
1: I want to hear from yeah, you. Yeah. Yeah. But
0: I'll, I'll, I'll take you much more deeper than that.
1: Sure. Okay,
0: we are part of the animal kingdom and in the animal kingdom an animal during his lifespan does only four things hunt for food, avoid being someone else's food, search for a mate, fourth is territory. That's the only four things that they do in their lifespan. Okay. And all our activities can be traced back to those four activities. And what is the source for all those activities for us? Money. Mm-hmm. Right? You want food, you need money. You want to not die, right? You need good healthcare. You need to live in a better country or a better society or a better this. You need money. Mm-hmm. Right? Your social stature dis- decides. Your mating opportunities, whom you marry, whom you your spouse, right? So you need money and territory, right? We all need to buy a house, we all need to buy land. That's the first primal instinct. So these are the primal instincts that I talk about. And the source to all of these is money. That is why money drives us insane. That is why money drives us crazy. So that's, I have not read uh, Morgan Housel's book, uh, but I think i can say in very briefly this is the psychology of money okay, okay. and what was your second question raj sorry i, I didn't uh...
1: no i'm saying how you know where we all read about buffett munger how do we oh, implement yes. that right uh,
0: yeah that's, that's again a very very important question hmm. I've, I've i've been in the markets for 20 years okay and i'll talk about three indian investors who are extremely successful and we know of in their personal capacities Okay, one is radhakishan Damani and I'll go not more there in their age order than rather than their uh, social wealth uh, or something. Second is the inam group and third is Rakesh Junjanwala. And what is common to all three of these guys? The common thread to all three of these guys is that these guys still own shares, which they bought 20 years back. Through 9-11, through global financial crisis, through COVID uh, pandemic, there are times they've seen multiple drawdowns of more than 50%. Probably during the global financial crisis, they saw drawdowns of 80, 70, to 90%. And yet they held on to those shares. So, reading Buffett, reading Munger, reading Peter Lynch is the easiest part. Quoting them is the easiest part. Following them is the most difficult part. How many people can withstand a ninety percent drop in one of their major holdings, right? And if you want to have your hundred baggers, you want to have your five hundred baggers. This is what you will have to do. In fact, we wrote a very interesting uh, uh, blog on the two fifty bagger story, and
1: probably we'll share it with you. Uh, uh, It'll be very helpful for uh, the the readers. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll uh, share that in our show notes as well, for sure. Yeah. So it will be, will be interesting to follow. So
0: as you said, uh, people talk, people look at 30 year charge. They talk about 30 year charge, but when they actually build their portfolio, they don't even hold the stocks for uh, one year.
1: But, you know, so again, coming back to, I just want to dwell a little bit deeper into this and uh, uh, and before we, we will also talk about multi-bagger, but I want to understand this whole uh, you know, the, the capacity to hold stocks through such a big pain, right? I mean, you know, yeah. greed and fear are the biggest enemies of, of, of humankind, right? I mean, we all know that. How does one get to that habit of, how does one get comfortable with such drawdowns? Or, or 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 are you saying that it's not for everyone? How can one learn about it? So one thing I'll say tell you, equity market is a place, Raj, where
0: 99% of the people lose money. And 1% of the people make money. And 1% of the people make 99% of the money. Mm-hmm. 1% of the people make 90. So what you need is a lot of, lot of understanding of history, right? We, we, we're planning to come out with a blog series on bubbles. And we've gone through bubbles over the last 500 years. And we're not even talking about tulip mania and South Sea bubble. Everybody knows about it. We're talking about something which is this and uh, when i was looking at these things like nfts and cryptos and a lot of these things and i just went and told my guys that look this is crazy but i have been telling this for more than a year now and while they agreed with me but then i said okay let's do let's do one thing let's go through all the bubbles over the last 500 years and a lot of these things are beyond the first five seven pages of google Right. Our, our research is now limited to the first page of Google. So we've done some real deep dive into it and you will realize what is happening with cryptos, what is happening with NFTs, what is happening with startups has been happening for the last 400, 500 years. Many people do not go back and read history. If you read history, you will realize when valuations are frothy. What is happening in the tech space? What is happening in the unlisted space? is something that happened, has consistently and repeatedly happened. And I don't want to share a lot of details because we're going to be coming out with a blog series, but it's going to be fascinating. It's going to be really, really fascinating with the number of... In fact, I'll go on to say that Raj, more than 90% of the companies eventually list Most than 90%. So your probability of making money is anyways, one in 10. But at the same time, as I said, 99% of people behave in a foolish manner. All the guys who are applying to IPOs. Mm. So it's you have to read history. You have to go through it. And yes, you have to learn it over a period of time. I'm sure even those guys, uh, they made a lot of mistakes. You have to make those mistakes. Even Buffett made mistakes, right? When he started out. He was a technical analyst
1: before he got into fundamental uh, investing. Yeah. Uh, let's spend some time on the multi-baggers, right? You mentioned seventy-five percent of the the money in your uh, in your part of the AUM may actually profit, right? So, uh, I mean, effectively, your your fund is 4 in in whatever last ten years. And I was just looking at uh, data around. No, no, Peter no, no,
0: no, Our fund has actually gone up twelve x in the last uh, this. See, Uh a lot of the capital came in only later. Came in late.
1: Okay. 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 Yeah. So I was looking at the data around Pedalite and uh, very fascinating to see that Pedalite dropped 60% in 2008 from Jan of 2008 to March of 2009. Yes. Uh, But if anybody had held the stock, even at the peak of Jan of 2008 till now, it has given 30% CAGR return.
2: Yes. Right.
1: Now, but you have to go through the pain of, and there are multiple times of 20, 25% drawdown, right? Many times in the in the, in, in those last, whatever, 12, 13, 14 years now. How do, how does one identify multi-bagger, first of all? Right. And how does one keep uh, believing and holding that same multi-bagger over the years?
0: Perfect. Very good question. Uh, and you bought the right company, Pedilite. I'll talk about Pedilite, I'll talk about Asian Paints. And I'll tell you why these stocks are not going to do well over the next decade.
2: Mm-hmm. Okay.
0: In 2008, we're just doing it. In 2008, which were the most popular names in India? Jaiprakash, Suzlon, Reliance Power, Reliance Infra, Suzlon, uh, energy companies, yeah, steel companies, Tata Steel, right?
3: Mm-hmm.
0: People were buying those names. Show me one fund manager who was, who, in fact, in 2005, when I was an analyst, I went and recommended to my fund manager two FMCG stocks, Britannia and GlaxoSmithKline consumer. And they were both available at 10 times trailing earnings. They quoted hundred times earnings right now. They were available at 10 times trailing earnings with net cash on the balance sheet. Luckily for him and for me, he did not buy the, sh- the shares. Because over those next two years, those shares did not do anything. It was the Jaiprakas, GVK, Lankos of the world which went through the roof. Right? So multi-bagger is a function of three things. First and foremost, let me be very, very, very clear on this point. The most important tenet of investing is value. Every time you go through history, every time somebody has come and told you value is bullshit, growth is the only thing, you have an arc somewhere around the corner. You have a cathy Wood around the corner. So first and foremost, go through history. You will realize stocks bottom out at record low valuations. Every single stock, whether it is Asian paints, whether it is, it is Pedalite, you look at their market, don't look at the P multiples at that point in time, because crude was at $150 and their earnings took a big whack. You look at market cap to sales for Pedalide in Asian pains, and you will realize they really, really bottomed out at very low valuations. So first and foremost is value. Every single time I can take you ExxonMobil was the most valuable company in the world in 2007. Right. Ellen Mitchell was the richest person in the world in 2007. Seven, eight years later, Ashler Mittal was a penny stock and ExxonMobil was nowhere. People have been talking about Tesla over the last one year. Tesla is flattish over the last one year. ExxonMobil is up 55%. So everything is cycle. The moment somebody comes and tells you this is a secular growth story, It's probably at the peak of the cycle that people look at cyclical things and say, these are Asian paints is a cyclical stock. If crude rises to $150, their margins are going to get impacted. 2008 Asian paints had 8% EBITDA margin. When crude hit negative, they had 26% EBITDA margin. What tells you that that margins cannot come back? I'm sure 100% over a period of time that cycles last longer than what people's memories are. So first and foremost, value. When did ICICI Bank bottom? At 120 odd rupees when the Chanda Kochar news came out. At that point in time, which have been the two best financial stocks over the last few years? Access Bank and ICICI Bank. And nobody is talking about them. Right? So, first and foremost, as value, the second pillar for finding a multi bagger is growth. Okay? And remember one thing. Growth, what is important is future growth. Historical growth has is already captured in the stock price. Century textiles was the growth stocks of the 1980s. Did it do well after that? It didn't do well, right? So historical growth has no relevance. What matters is future growth. And future to a large extent is unpredictable. Future is also cyclical. In my 20 years of investing, Raj, all I can tell you is I have seen at bottom valuations, companies get at bottom profitability, companies get bottom P multiples. And at peak profitability, companies get peak P multiples. And that's how you have 100 baggers in the stock markets. And that is why you have 95% to 99% erosion in stock prices. Right? Which is is an irony, which normally you would think that as profit margins expand as this, you would start to think that the P multiples will decline. It doesn't happen that way. That's why Exxon peaked in 2007 and Tesla peaked in 2020 or 21 or, or any of those tech companies in the US. right? So growth, but future growth is important. You cannot ideally 100% predict future growth, but you get a sense. Typically, if you look at a growth cycle of an industry, and these cycles last longer than anyone's memories, these cycles last longer than 10, 15 years. Nobody knows what Transocean did or Aban Offshore did from 2001 to 2007, right? Those stocks went up crazy, more than 1,000x or something like that, crazy numbers. None of those guys, because it's, it's a lot of the current investors did not even exist over there. Yeah. And people who got caught in Aban and Transocean are no longer part of the stock market. They are fixed deposit investors. <laughs> right. so, so cycles last longer than people's memory and growth is cyclical. So growth is important. But if you diversify yourself across sectors I'm sure, and buy at a reasonable valuation, you give yourself a very, very good starting point. The probability of you making multi baggers is very high. And the third and most important thing is contrarian. See, contrarian is a very misunderstood word. Contrarian doesn't mean doing things or doing the opposite of others. Contrarian means doing things differently from others. Right? Which have been the two best performing stocks in the uh, Nifty over the last couple of years? Hindalco and Larson and Dubro. And nobody's even talking about those stocks. Everybody's talking about ITC. So it's not a contrarian stock. <laughs> so we used to joke, you know, uh, have you ever t- taken the Mumbai tra- trains, Raj? I'm sure of you course, have. Of course, of
1: course, yeah. yeah. So, right?
0: And your bull market peaks earlier, you know, you used to get in the local trains. The mm. local train mein discussion is very Uh On stock markets, that means you know the market has peaked, right? The old timers will tell you that. When you start getting
1: ideas from the train, from your fellow passengers. So so today,
0: Twitter is the new local
1: train. (laughs) True.
0: (laughs) True. Very true. So if you start getting ideas on Twitter, you probably need to be scared. Twitter, you need to be scared. (laughs) So so a combination of these three things will give you multi-baggers. And If you look at Asian paints, you look at Light, the time to buy was 2008, 2009. That was the time. If if there is anyone who's bought it at that point in time, I want to speak to them. And I want to ask them whether they are going to buy it at this point in time. So at that point in time, people wanted to buy Indalco, people wanted to buy JSW and a lot of the other names.
1: So I want to, sorry, I want to a little bit dwell deeper into the, the contrarian part. Right. Because you said contrarian is not being opposite of others, but uh, doing differently, you know, and I get that. But can you use some examples to help understand when you, you know, pull everything together, growth and value, I can understand Uh, this contrarian part. Can you help us understand with some example?
0: So I I, will tell you, right, like a very classic. This is you look at every multi-bagger in the past. Okay. You look at gold. Today, nobody's talking about gold. Do you see anyone talking about gold? You don't, right? Everybody's talking about crypto and shorting. People have an opinion either to buy crypto or to sell crypto. Hmm. But nobody has an opinion that, forget, I I don't care about crypto. Hmm. Buying crypto is an opinion. Selling crypto is an opinion. But not owning crypto is completely contrarian.
2: Hmm. 2011-12,
0: 2011-12, gold was super hot. There were so many gold, gold funds which were being launched in India. And everybody wanted to invest in gold. So, contrarianness, contrarianness, how do I put it, right? I've just said something that is ignored, neglected.
1: Mm-hmm. Yep. So, basically, nobody is talking about it. And, and that's why it is getting reflected in both the value and the and lower expectation of the growth as well.
0: And more importantly, likely it is contrarian because it hasn't done well for the last 10 years. So people have forgotten
2: mm.
0: in 2007 L and was the darling of the market from 2002 to 2007, the three most popular names in the country with institutions were Larson, ABB and Siemens. Those stocks rallied 50 X within a matter of five to six years. And over the last decade, March, 2020, all, all those three names had delivered negative returns. So from 2002 to 2007, Larson went up 50x, five zero x. Yeah. 2007 to 2020, Larson's yeah. revenue in absolute terms increased 500 percent. The profitability increased 700 percent, and the stock went
1: down. So I mean, what was, net it was absolute went down. Absolute yeah. went down.
0: Okay. So it was. The exact opposite of the multi-bagger in 2007. It was the most popular stock. It was not contrarian. It was extremely expensive at 50-60 times P multiple. And it was a growth stock. But mm-hmm. a growth, the growth was historical. Mm-hmm. So while it has done well, it has grown at 15% Kager over that period. It's, it did not qualify as a growth. Growth means 30-40-50%. 40, 50% look at Bajaj Finance, right? When it's I I I wrote a research report on Bajaj Auto Finance in two thousand four five.
1: Wow, what is it was the market cap? At four P multiple. What, what is, is the market
0: Three hundred odd crores.
1: <laughs> okay.
0: okay. <laughs> I was available at four, and I used Peter Lynch's analogy on savings and loans, and I said this is a
1: wonderful buy. Okay.
0: You should frame that.
1: People. You should frame that research report. NFT, <laughs> NFT, NFT. <laughs> You know, let's come. So let's come to the cycles because you spoke about cycles, right? And even growth is cycles, which I, I I like that word Growth is cycles, right? And you've been there in the market for two decades now. Uh, how does one detect and enter the cycle at you know reasonably right time? Um, people are talking about metals right now people are talking about capex people are talking about china plus one specialty chemical probably is probably at the other end of the cycle now but how does one detect a, and, and and actually uh, look at any cycle so, we can pick any example or whatever you know think like
0: it's it's like uh, the alchemist everybody spent a lot of their times trying to convert everything into gold Mm. So, trying to bottom fish is impossible. In my twenty years, in my twenty years, I have not met anyone who's bought at the bottom and sold at the top, or who's identified every single cycle and entered at the bottom and sold at the top. As I said, the smartest investors, the richest investors I know of, have held stocks through 50 70 percent drawdowns. Yep. And that was a significant portion of their this. So. By value, something like an Infosys was available at 10 times earnings five years back, four years back, when whole that Infosys saga happened. A lot of these tech companies were available at single-digit P multiple, CoForge, you know, Persistent, all of them were available at single-digit P multiple with net cash on their balance sheet and net cash of 30, 40, 50 percent on their balance sheet. At that point in time, I did not see anyone come on television and say tech looks good. Right? So buy a value you, you and then wait.
1: Okay. So, Nobody see, uh, uh, and and, and uh, let's let's try and understand a little bit deeper also on that in terms of the cycles, right? I mean, yeah, uh, so I'll, I'll
0: I'll tell you what, yeah, how yeah. A typical cycle works, how a typical cycle works. A typical cycle works uh, like as Soros said. The manifestation of every bull market there is a very strong fundamental reason for it to start and then eventually it ends in a bubble so let's let's look at say any of the industries which have done well it starts with a genuine need there's a genuine vacuum companies start doing well then over a period of time as the company start doing well the stock starts doing well people get attracted to it to it then newer competition comes in And then at the peak, the industry margins are so high that everybody wants to get into that business. That is when you have excess capital, which is what happened with the metal sector in 2007, the metal sector was doing well, so well that everybody wanted to own a mine. Everybody wanted to set up a power plant in 2007 in India. So I'll take you through the whole power sector. And the energy thing to explain you the cycle okay 2002 to 2007 huge global demand for manufacturing products led by china and everything led to huge demand for energy okay so all energy went up right from crude oil to coal to lignite to everything went up 2007 There was a 2006, there was a power crisis, governments were borrowing at 14, 15 rupees. Typically before that, if you wanted to set up a power plant, you needed a PPA, right? But then 2007, everybody said, why should we do a PPA? If we can sell merchant power at 15 rupees, why should we do a PPA? So everybody set up merchant power plants, all the banks financed also. So genuine demand, but at some point in time, demand outpaced supply. There was inflation, there was super normal profit, and everybody said this is a secular thing. Power demand to India mein aana hi aana hai, for the next 20 years. So crude went through the roof, coal went through the roof. Domestically, nobody wanted to sign PPAs, and banks are willing to fund merchant power plants. And you had merchant power plants coming at debt equity ratio of one is to four. Four is to one rather. Okay. Now, in the history of this. It is probably one of the worst capital allocation mistakes that has ever been done. Because crude went through the roof, because crude went from $18 to $150 and coal went from $20 to whatever uh, price that it went to, you had a lot of investment which actually went into the renewable space. At $150, it made a lot of sense to invest money into renewables, which was solar and wind. So at one point in time, the smart money was investing into renewables and the dumb money was going into power plants. Then we all know what happened. Crude went down, everything went down. All of a sudden there was oversupply as far as power is concerned. And the world's focus shifted to, and the cost of solar panels and wind and everything crashed 90%. So all of a sudden you had solar, which was more efficient than coal and uh, this, it was one of, that was a cycle, right? And I'm sure you can associate with that now reverse last 10 years. What has happened? There has been no investment in oil. There has been no investment in coal. There has been no investment in any basic materials. The ESG Brigade has been so strong. They're talking about we want a world without oil. Really? You cannot make you oil has got multiple downstream product uses. You cannot manufacture aluminum without oil. You need CPC. You cannot manufacture steel without oil oil because you need graphite electrodes. Right? Packaging, the entire packaging sector is linked to oil. Oil is a substitute for so many other products. So forget that we can live in this world, at least not for the, in the way that we live uh, without oil. So last 10 years, no investments in oil. So much so that oil companies are saying we don't want to invest in oil. Your, your business is to invest in oil. Right? <laughs> but, so the ESG brigade got to the got to got to them. And what is happening today? Demand for oil is back during the COVID pandemic all the weaker players. So the industry was already in a downturn for the last 10 years. And in the COVID pandemic, the weaker players went out of the system. Demand rebounded, but supply is short. And that is what has happened with the shipping industry. The shipping industry virtually collapsed after after 2010. So a lot of shipyards had closed down. And all of a sudden, demand for ships rebounded. Global trade increased dramatically. And today, we are running short of ships, containers. So I think these are who could have, and again, as I said, coming back to these two points, I'm talking about growth. Who could have predicted the semiconductor crisis two years, three years back? Who could have predicted the shipping uh, container shortage two, three years back? I don't know of anyone who did that. right? So all your risks are outliers. And if there is risk for someone, it's profit for someone
1: else yeah so uh again i want to uh, go you know more into this whole cycle thing uh what are these sectors themes you think make sense now i mean you know i'm not saying they're bottom or not but generally at, at when you look at next few years five yeah. years ten years whatever you know you look at what are the themes you or sectors or you know what part which part of the cycles are we in right now which right. makes sense for somebody to look at
0: so as he said, we're, we've been fairly bullish on metals and commodities over the last two years. We've been very, we're very, very bullish on manufacturing in India. I think the China plus one is something which is happening. See, China is moving from a developing nation to a to a developed kind of a world, right? When do you start worrying about air quality and water quality and everything? Only when you have enough money in your pocket. And China right now has enough money in uh, in its pocket, so they do they, and if they want so you cannot have a manufacturing industry and worry about the air quality. So manufacturing moved from Europe to U.S., from U.S. to Japan, from Japan to China, and now we're seeing it moving to other parts of the world, including India. <clears throat> so earlier India manufacturing, India we were struggling with imports from China. Imports from China have gone away whether it is the tire industry, right? There's there's a small company that does bead wires. Okay. It's not a recommendation because the stock has run up quite a bit. It's expensive right now. I met the management. I said, this is going to do well. It's a very small thing that you need in manufacturing of tires. But the fact of the matter is he's the only one left in the industry. All his other competitors, number two, three, four, five, have all shut shop. And earlier, there were a lot of imports from China. So imports from China have gone away. So what we are seeing with a lot of domestic companies is one, they were suffering because of imports from China. That has gone away. One, there is domestic demand. And second, there is a big vacuum for exports to Europe and US. So I think manufacturing will do extremely well. Infrastructure something which can do well because... I think wage inflation is going to go through the roof and I've been saying this for the last six, seven months now and uh, the government will have to create jobs and infrastructure is going to be a one of the modes for the government to create jobs. So infrastructure as a sector might do well
1: okay <clears throat> uh, you know if, uh, last couple of weeks of course you've you've seen a big uh, uh, turmoil in the markets globally you know because of yeah. uh, renewed, yeah. Uh, people are talking about Fed tightening in all aspects, right? I mean, not just uh, shutting QE or shutting down QE, QT and rate hikes, not just four, maybe more. And we are, of course, seeing the same impact in the market in India as well, right? So we've seen uh, sell-off in small and mid caps. How should one investor, again, bringing in the element of psychology of money here, right? how should one investor uh, behave or do during this drawdowns? So, Couple of
0: things. Uh, one is, uh, I think Raj, uh, uh, four four hikes by the Fed are not going to crash the Dow. At 0% or at 1%, you know, cost of capital does not get really majorly impacted. You understand one thing. Yep. The, the bigger issue is there have been a lot of excesses in the markets. At 0% interest rates, your cost of capital was zero. So you could play pay infinite for anything.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: I think 20 years down the line, people are going to look at NFTs and cryptos and say, how can people be so foolish? Like we look today and say, how can people be so foolish that they apply to our part? But then people were queuing up at that point in time, right? So one is, I think overall, you're going to see a sectoral change, a sectoral rotation, which has already happened. Inflation is going to be here. You need a portfolio, which is going to hedge you against inflation. Last one year, Tesla is up 4%. Exxon Mobil is up 55%. What did people buy over the last one year? The dumb money bought Tesla, which is all the ARK investors. The smarter guys probably went and bought Exxon Mobil. So sector rotation is happening. We are seeing that. Right. hindal goes up 500 percent Tata steel is up 500 percent this is how bull, bull markets start right this is how when Larson and tubro was a 50 bagger I'm sure it can be a 20 bagger 30, who knows mm. even then it was the it was a nifty company even then it was the largest infrastructure company in the country so the market per se will do well probably my sense is we might get a fed rate hike And the markets will probably start recovering from this. But as far as the tech bubble is concerned, I think it has burst. It had burst long before the the last week because the secondary stocks had already corrected 50, 70%. And I've been tweeting about the number of stock, NASDAQ stocks hitting fifty-two week lows for the last two, three months now. Second, I think the crypto mania is over. The private equity space, people are going to be just left with paper after what has happened with zomato and paytm and everything in the world see the money that was buying private equity in the us was the money that was buying private equity into india was the money that was buying crypto was the the value investors like me were not buying any of these things right it was all a lot of new generation money who had never who have never seen a bear market before in the last 20 years we've not seen a bear market global financial crisis was just one year and three months.
1: And COVID was just three months.
0: COVID was just three months. And you know, this is, I blame Ben Bernanke for this. I blame the fed for this. You have to understand Ben Banda, Bernanke studied only the great depression. Yeah. And he realized that the solution to any bear market is money printing. And because there was no inflation for the last decade, they said, we can print as much as we want. And now you're going to, and then they print it crazily during COVID you've seen money printing like never before. And you are going to see inflation like never before. So not if you just have to go and see the 30 years us bond yield chart, it, it makes for a scary reading from 17, 18% it has gone all the way down to 0% steady decline people don't have memories i remember as a kid my dad took his first car loan at 18% and he was a very you know good salaried person and probably with a good credit score so 80s and 90s you had stocks available at 10% dividend yields few but you could do run a screener and get stocks at 10% dividend yields. That was when interest rates were at 16, 17%. In, in the late 90s and 2000s, early 2000s or 2010, you could get stocks, you could easily get stocks at 10 P multiple or majority of the stocks were at 10 P multiple, right? Once in a while you would have those boom bust scenes. 2020, people are talking about 10 times and 20 times price to sales. So from one end of the spectrum, we've gone to the other end of the spectrum. And humanity is longer than this 30 years. We've been around for billions of years. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So you're going to, people are going to be for a root shock. Some of these, the younger generation is going to get a shock as bad as what people got during the great depression. And this is going to be about asset prices declining because these guys are going to keep on investing into cryptos all the way down till they go to zero they keep on averaging right yeah <laughs> so i'm sorry i'm just telling you the truth of the way i see no I no You right.
1: it... see gee, gee, you're right and you know uh, uh, i mean of course there is a bubble everywhere you know bubble of uh, bubble of all whatever you know uh, bubble, everywhere. Of all bubble of all bubbles right uh i want to bring in another interesting things that you know there were some brick bats thrown at you from a large twitter account talking after your crash into march of 2020 probably you had a drawdown in your in your funds right but you of yeah. course bounced off back very well what are your learnings you know what are your learnings in the last 10 years i mean you know the only thing the i'll tell you
0: is, so raj the only thing i'll tell you is in 2017 mm-hmm. we were busy sitting in our office we we never met anyone from the outside world Okay, means there was a time in 2017 when people said, we want to invest with you. And we said, look, we don't find any opportunities. Please go. When I have those clients who've come back again to us, hmm. people, used, people used to say, I want to invest with you. I said, please come to my office because I'm the only one. I cannot come to meet you. I have to do my research. Okay, it wasn't me being arrogant. It was just that I had limited bandwidth. And I, I was very happy with the set of clients. But I didn't realize it at that point in time that we were rock stars of the Indian market that people were aping our portfolios behind our back. We delivered 55% CAGR at that point in time. We were really the rock stars. Our portfolios being, were being circulated, which is late. We came to later, uh, came to know later on. Mm-hmm. You know, he's
2: actively,
0: he's active in this and we were active in counters, which we were never active in also, but we didn't know. Either. In 2020 at the bottom of the market right everybody was down anybody who's a public manager you could have screwed his happiness because the market Very is naturally down. yeah yeah market in one month was down 30% mm.
2: only
0: pe- so the only people who can take you down is somebody who doesn't have a public track record <laughs> right <laughs> because he doesn't have anything he's only so i i compare managing man- public money to uh, to a beauty pageant right it takes guts to walk in a swimsuit in front of the world In your your own bathroom, everybody can do it.
2: Mm.
0: (laughs) So one is that second, as I said, and here we are in 2022, we are back again. We are much higher than what we were in 2017, 98% of our clients we've retained. And we haven't sold a single stock. There is virtually zero churn in our portfolio from 2017 to 2022. 2017 people said, 2020 people said all your stocks are kachara. Today they said nah, nah, now I get charts key your stock is on the verge of a breakout. <laughs> 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 so that's it. You know, it doesn't it doesn't make uh, any difference to me. Uh-huh. Right? You you are in the public space, my track record is out there open susceptible to this and I'm, I'm fine with it. I will do what is right for my clients. I'm not here. We took a lot of pressure. We stuck with our stocks and they're paying off handsomely. I don't know if many fund managers, small cap fund managers who survived 2020, they all moved to large caps.
1: No, but let's talk about, uh, you know, we all make mistakes, right? In our life, right? I mean, in our career, everybody, we all go through those phases. So do you want to talk uh, uh, anything from your experience?
0: Yeah, I think my biggest mistake has been selling stocks. Mm. I've done fairly well over the last 20 years. We have the best track record over the last nine years. I can tell you, Raj, the one thing is if I would have only... I invest every single month in the markets. Every single month I put money in our AIF right now. The one thing I can tell you is if, if... and only if I would have invested every single month and not sold a single stock at any point in time, I think I would have probably done slightly better than what I've done with a lot less you know, tension. Mm. Simple. I, I have bought stocks at 4P multiple, which have gone on to become 500 and backers. See, this is again, these are all learnings of life, right? And this is why... Buffett is what he is because he learned a lot, a lot of these lessons very early in his life mm-hmm. and he's right when he says that I started at 11 and I was probably a little late. So you, you go through these things. So one of the things is probably, yes, I've bought Havels at 4P multiple market cap 160 crores, and I have research reports written on it because I was on the sell set at that point in time. Bajaj Finance at 4P multiple, right? I've looked at Uh, Kotak bank, Kotak when it was an NBFC, I was the first sell side guy to write a research report at that point in time. This was in 2004 or 2005. It's insane. 800, 900 crores market cap for Kotak. Probably even not that much. I don't remember. Mm. Right. So market, market, uh, and then forget all the mistakes that I would have done. And as a value investor, if you're buying at four and five P multiple, the probability of you making uh, mistakes go down dramatically. Sure, we'll we'll have a few duds here and there. Obviously, everyone does, right? Even Bradman uh, got on uh, got out on duck once in a while. Even Buffett has lost stocks. So who are we? We are mere
1: mortals. Yep. We will make mistakes, and mistakes shouldn't bother us. We're Let's in the about- business
2: of winning.
1: Yeah. Let's, let's talk about, you know, uh, IPO and very clearly you're not a big fan of IPO investing and I've seen yeah. your tweets, right? Uh, and of course, you know, a lot of them have seen a good correction, probably down 50%, 60%, 70%. What do you, w- what are the trends you're seeing? Any, any uh, IPO, which came last year, you actually like?
0: I don't do research on IPOs.
1: Uh-huh.
0: I, de- I don't oh, even they are listed open... stocks
1: now, right? They are now listed stocks. So I'm saying- But any I don't of them... have to.
0: Okay. See, Raj, the best part I can tell you is till the time the stocks don't fall into a filter screen of valuations. We don't even look at that. Mm. I don't want to know what Zomato is doing. I don't want to know what uh, Supriya Life Sciences is doing or any of those companies at home. I have finite capital. I can only buy 15 to 20 stocks. Why should I spend my time trying to research thousands of companies? right? We have, we as a team, we cover say 200 odd stocks. That's it. Mm. And if you want to look at a new stock, the first and foremost is it has to come within our valuation parameters. Forget any of the IPOs. I have 30 other stocks which are available at single digit P multiple, which I cannot buy. I know these are going to do well, but I need to have the capital, right?
2: Mm. Right.
0: So one, As he said, we've done a lot of work as far as we did a clubhouse session as well on IPOs. I would recommend everyone go through it. We've actually looked at IPOs from 2004 and I must give, I have a great research team. They do a lot of work, a lot of very good work. More than, I think, 60% or more than 90% of the IPOs have underperformed the Nifty since they came. Wow. Since 2004. Since Since 2004. And this is before so this was done three months back so this is before the current carnage okay okay 30 percent of the stocks have delisted
1: wow so 60 companies in last 18 years so 30% one, of IPO
0: IPOs have delisted or have become penny stocks wow have lost more than 90 percent and I think 60 percent of the stocks have lost more than 50 percent in absolute terms since the listing See, IPO, mein you don't get any allocation. So if you have to listing, you have hmm. Right. So I think if if the odds are not stacked in my favor, why should I even bother with that? Hmm. I'm sure there are there is a Devis, there is a Maruti, there is a Page Industries, which is done well. But I, I don't know of anyone who's held on to these stocks from the IPO and i don't know of anyone who's identified all the ipos which have done well in fact the best ipo okay the best ipo since 2004 is astral poly okay. and it corrected 80% during the global financial crisis tell me anyone who would have held on to that stock after that 85% you know correction so the so the odds are not stacked in your favor as far as ipos is concerned We have this in our office that um, do as the promoters do.
2: Hmm.
0: If there's a buyback, if there's an insider trade, insider purchase, we'll buy the stock. We'll work on the company. If the Hmm. promoters are doing QIP, OFS, IPO, we'll sell the stock first and ask questions later. (laughs) There's only only one and only one reason why promoter sells his stock. Because he feels he's getting very good value for it. Um, hmm. 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 Until and unless he's desperate or he's in, yeah.
1: right? Yeah, yeah. Let's talk about habits. You know, so what habit, you know, one habit you want to talk about which helped you in investing?
0: Right. I think I'm just discussing with one of my colleagues today, and I think. Forget teaching your kids about money. Forget teaching them about anything else. Mm. The most important thing that you need to teach your kids or you need to teach yourself is delayed gratification. True. I think my 20-year journey is all about delayed gratification. People see the success, but people don't see the sacrifices that we've made to reach where we've reached. I was just discussing with my director, uh, Nira, of my colleague, and we haven't taken bonuses in the last three years. Because we said, look, we need the capital, right? And the capital has grown fantastically in the company, right? We have more than quadrupled our net worth in the last three, four, five years. uh, And we've we've made those sacrifices for the first three years. But, uh, right, when I started Equitas, I was at a fancy salary, and for one year, I did not take a salary. I said, the firm has to, if I dr- start drawing, so it's, a, it's all about delayed gratification. That is what multi are about. People talk about Buffett, Buffett, but Bef- Buffett became 99% of his wealth. He achieved after the age of 60, right? True. But also remember, even at the age of 60, he was bloody damn rich. <laughs> so... <laughs>
1: You know, people talk about Buffet a lot. And, you know, I I say only one thing. He bought two stocks in the last, big, big stake in two stocks. And one is Bank of America where I actually worked. The other one is Apple, which was very public stock. Everybody, damn, you know, iPhone probably must be on on fifth or sixth or seventh. I don't know which iPhone was there when he bought the stock, right? Yeah, yeah. He made maximum money in Apple stock and he made a great amount of money in Bank of America stock which was visible yes. to anyone and everyone so it, again again raj coming to the point of value
0: apple as late as 2015 16 was available at 10 p multiple yeah. 10 times trailing p multiple and people said this is a hardware company it should get only 10 p multiple i don't know whether you know that
1: yep yeah, yep yeah, yeah.
0: and, and i think warren buffett microsoft, bought around the same time microsoft in 2000 and two, three, or four, I don't remember. It was available at 10 times earnings. Yeah. Microsoft, 10 times trailing earnings. I remember it because I went on one of the websites and saw 10 times trailing earnings. Microsoft, yeah. at that point in time, it, every laptop in the world had a Windows. It was not a startup. right? Infosys, available at 10 times earnings. Asian Paints, available at 10 times earnings. ICSA bank available at 10 times earnings. When great companies offer you that, Hindalco a year back available at 0.1 time market cap to sales, 0.1 times market cap to sales. At any point in time, you get companies like this at this valuation, go and buy them. At your chances of losing money are going to be very, very less,
1: right? Yeah let's let's talk so, about a stock which changed your life any anyone uh,
0: stock oh there, there, there are a few they all uh, happen to share a female name so
1: <laughs> okay interesting <laughs>
0: <laughs> so is that I the think, name uh, which got stock. you
1: interested or the stock got you interested <laughs> it just it just happened to me. let me let me put it this way I'm a ladies man <laughs> <laughs>
0: Uh, uh, so
1: a couple, couple
0: of them uh, I think uh, one is Bharti A10, mm-hmm. which was my first multi-bagger and uh, Avanti Feats, which was our biggest multi-bagger I think we made 180x returns for our clients on that okay. were 180 bag for us Bharti why I just had 500 shares uh, which eventually became 1000 because of bonus instead of buying a mobile phone which all my friends were buying I went and bought Bharti stock This is in 2001, I think or 2002 and Mm. I just bought uh, 10,000 rupees worth of Bharti and it eventually became 2 lakh worth of Bharti or something like that. Okay. And I used to strut around in office as if I was Sunil Bharti Mittal Mm. with those 500 and thousand shares. But the whole point is it gave me the confidence to it gave me the ability right that that was the foundation and that was the stepping stone avanti right because we own 4% of the company and then the stock doubled and then the stock halved it came back below our purchase price and bac put the stock in some auction window where it would trade in trade to trade only for 10 minutes during one hour so it, Effectively, the stock was illiquid. You couldn't trade the stock. Imagine you own four percent of the company; it was your biggest bet, and you couldn't trade the stock, and the markets were bad.
2: Hmm.
0: But because of my earlier experience of ten years, I knew that this is going to do well. It was available at three times earnings, net cash on the balance sheet, good growth going forward. But historically, it is what time by fatuity. Mm-hmm. What with you, but what experience taught me is not to sell the stock. The earlier me, probably four or five years back would have sold it off at 225 rupees or 300 or 400 or 500. Mm. And then we let the story ride. Then it became a popular name. It became a growth company. The valuations went through the roof and it became a popular name. And uh, eventually we sold off and I haven't looked at the company since 2017. People come and ask me, you're an Amandi expert. I said, I sold it off. Why should I track it? The day it comes back into my valuation range, it'll probably take us eight to ten days to do the research. Mm. <laughs> so talking right. about
1: yeah, talking about value, and you know, uh, you know, one of the big sector uh, uh, which uh, and one of the big sector of banking within banking PSU banks uh, have been hugely beaten down in the last whatever ten odd years or not ten, maybe even fifteen yes. years. Probably they would have beaten on. But now we can see that you know they've cleaned up the balance sheet, especially in you know, banks like SBI, of course, even Bank of Baroda, and then some more few yes. names. And the profitability is also there, it's gone up. Mm. How do you see them in your valuation metrics now, broadly as a PSU bank? I'm I talking? don't
0: I don't look at PSUs.
1: Mm. As a as see, a as a, is, a
0: principle, see my capital is finite. Mm. And the point of the matter is these are inefficient organizations. Mm. Right? If sale does well, JSW is also going to do well. Tata Steel is going to do well. There's so many others who are going to do well. Right? For years, I heard people say, "Concor is a great company. Concor is a great company. Abhi pata chala to lease rental hi nahi government ko. Iske uska profit margin itna hai. See, these are inefficient organizations. A Sarkari company cannot have the same drive as this. I'm sorry, I'm not beating around the bush here. And they will do well with market cycles. They all do well. These are this, my capital is finite, right? BHEL did well, but then so did Siemens, ABB and Larson and Tubro. So why should I, again, it all boils down to your probability. My focus is reduce the probability of you making losses. I started my career as a banking analyst. My first report was Vijaya bank. Seven 17, 18 years later, the price was the same. They might have okay. gone up, gone down, gone
1: up. Okay. Right?
0: There's, you saw what has happened in PTC financial services or anything recently. So there's no accountability as far as public sector undertakings are concerned. So I don't waste my time. Okay.
2: That well, case, I,
0: think, I don't.
2: They I might think do a well. Good
0: framework. Yeah, that's a good framework. I, I, I don't care. They might do well. I don't care. Hmm. I'm not AJC mutual fund. I'm not. Prudential that I need to go and track every single stock because I have two lakh crore, three lakh crore of equity. They, they, they might have a compulsion to buy. I don't have a compulsion to buy. Hmm. Right. So that's it. So I haven't even looked at state bank of India. We don't even research companies, which we don't like.
1: Hmm. That makes sense. Time is also finite, right? Capital is finite. Time is also finite. Uh, Capital is finite.
0: Time is finite. Yeah.
1: Gold, and you mentioned a yes. couple of times during this uh, uh, session as well. And I think you tweeted today, uh, 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 and you know that gold has to be part of your portfolio. Uh, life yes. is long. Any madman can could become PM or whatever to buy gold for a rainy day. Uh, yes. Help us understand your thesis on gold, and you know what percentage of your assets could be in gold, uh, whatever you so want to talk about. My- yeah. So I
0: made my first asset allocation in gold uh, a few days back, probably a couple of months back. I don't remember. I made my wife happy, uh, right? Is, uh, that's the first time she told me I love you after that. <laughs> 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 so uh, at first she checked me, sab thik to hai na, you're buying gold means sab changa. I said, yeah, yeah, no, don't worry. <laughs> so uh, the thing... The thing what happened is Raj, uh, I was presenting at uh, the India Investing Conclave and I was talking, I've been very, this about, you know, the whole money printing and everything. And I think it leaves a lot of the population very poor. So I have my very strong views over there. And when we were doing that, we started doing a lot of work on gold as well. The history of gold. I've read a book. I've read a few books on the history of gold and everything. I made people in my office also read that book. And then we did a lot of research on gold. And when we actually put the numbers, we realize that gold adjusted for tension or adjusted for anxiety has done better than any other asset class, including equities. 9-11,
2: hmm.
0: global financial crisis, COVID. Three of the most stressful periods of our life. What was the only asset class that was up on those days? Gold, I guess. Gold. Hmm. Right? So one, gold has been, has delivered fantastic results uh, over the last 30, 40 years. And when we talk about returns, we're not talking about three years, five years, 10 years. Right. As I said, cycles last longer than other people's money, uh, p- mm-hmm. what most people did. 2011 12 is when gold peaked. And then since then, we've not seen any major returns as far as gold is concerned. Gold is gold is finite in the world. Gold, gold has a lot of properties. Gold asset asset class has not done well for the last 10 years. And a lot of, when money printing happens, gold automatically goes up. You look at the money supply chart and gold price, both move in tandem over a longer period of time. Two, three, four years, here and there can always happen. Last three, four years, the money which ought to have come into gold went into cryptos, went into NFTs, went into private equity space now as people lose money over there they burn their fingers eventually the money is going to come back to fixed deposits is going to come back to gold so gold is a very very safe asset class to own don't listen to anyone don't listen to me it ought to ha- it ought to be a part of uh, this i recommend that everybody uh, listen to that to that podcast or to that uh, presentation that we made at the IIC.
1: What is the, uh, w- what kind of uh, uh, allocation uh, you are looking to for, you know, putting in the gold? Or, or what do you recommend?
0: Right now, right now it is very minuscule. see, again, as I said, for me, I understand what I do.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I, I can be in the equity markets. I know inflation is going to be there. I know rupee is going to tank and I uh, rupee might not do well, not tank, but might not do well. And yet I know my portfolio will do well, right? So I'm not just, when I tweet, I just don't talk about myself. I'm not there to promote. I'm just generally out there to educate people. And I keep on saying I can always be wrong. Mm. Yep. Okay. Right. So for me, yes, I might keep on increasing my, and it doesn't make, for me, it doesn't matter anymore. You have to understand one thing. A lot of, for right now, we're not working from a personal perspective or any of those things. Beyond a point, money is irrelevant. Money is only a barometer to judge how successful you are. Delayed gratification, you see.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) One mistake in market you will always regret doing. One mistake
0: in the markets. Uh, There are too many. Too many. We are in the business of making mistakes. Every every single transaction that you do is a is a mistake i think this is very important right, Raj. every single transaction that you do in the market is a mistake if you buy thousand shares of reliance at 1000 okay after you're buying the stock and go to 998 or 999 that is a mistake because you could have bought lower you might get only 500 shares at 1000 and the stock might go to 1001 that's a mistake you might you could have bought 2000 shares but you bought only 1000 shares it's a mistake so I don't have any regrets as far as market is concerned I believe we're in the business of making uh, mistakes and there's so many opportunities that go by I've identified so many multi-baggers but I couldn't invest and I don't regret because I cannot foretell the future I did not know that SRF at 160 rupees, 3P multiple was going to be 100 bagger. But I knew at that point in time, it was value. It was written in bold. SRF looks good, but nahi tha. you cannot mm. buy every everything that moves,
1: right? Mm. Yeah. Uh, what, what, how do you how do you look at concentrated bets, right? There, are, I mean, you know, George Soros and, and Stan Druckenmiller, they've been very... Uh, you know the whole pound thing where they went after and they said you know the uh, they actually bet the whole house on it because their conviction was so high uh, and right. maximum alpha is being made when you actually conviction is high and you actually put concentrated bet while diversification right. is great as a discipline for for long-term investing but maximum alpha is created only when you make concentrated bet. what do you think of that and how do you how, how one should look at concentrated bet
0: so I think uh, Raj, I'm not as intelligent as Buffett or Soros or Miller or any of those guys. I'll be very honest with you, right? Uh, and my philosophy is when I build a portfolio, 16 stocks, 6% each, 96% taken care of. 4% may I use my intelligence and might probably allocate one 1%, 1% each. So, and I'll tell you the most important thing in stock market is knowing what you know and knowing what you don't know. I don't know which one of my stocks is going to become a multi-bagger. If I knew it, I had a fund manager who told me a long time back that if only I knew where the Nifty was going to go tomorrow, I would bet the whole world on it and retire to Bahamas the next day. Right? So I I know based on my philosophy, on my process, on my 20-year this, that out of 16 stocks, I'll probably have 10 to 12 stocks, which will become multi-bagger. Four stocks which will perform in line with the markets, and two stocks where I'll probably lose money for clients. That's and I'm I'm okay with that. And I really don't know. If I knew that I was going to lose money on a stock, why would I buy it in the first place?
1: And do you I, let your winner do you let your winner run? Or like suppose a big yes, stock becomes
0: 20%? Yes, that's the most important thing. That is the most important thing. Buffett didn't buy 40%. Of his liquid investments in Apple. He probably bought only six, seven percent. Yeah. It became forty percent, and he let it let his winners run. Right. You look at Rakesh Jhunjhunwala. He did not buy that much of Titan. He's just let Titan run through it uh, through his this. That's the most difficult part. Right. The Inam Group has been holding MRF for donkeys years now, and they've probably been holding it since IPO at ten rupees. I don't know what uh, this, but. Then they've seen so many multiple drawdowns right on that so letting your winners ride is the most important thing you yeah. get a good company well-run company well-run management don't sell it eventually it will
1: do well true true uh any book you will suggest for our investors to read
0: oh we had a, on our website we had so many books uh, we had a whole host of books i think one book which i recommend to everyone is one upon Wall Street by Peter Lynch. I think that's the most sensible, commonsensical book on investing. You ought to read it, read, reread it. Some of my best bets have come because of because of that. So I think that's that's the one book again, as you said. We'll probably try and put up a list of books on our website. Earlier, we had a complete big nice list of books. There are so okay. many books to read.
1: Okay. Uh, we are coming towards the end of our conversation, and this is one question we ask, uh, you know, all our guests. What is one advice you will give to your twenty-year-old self?
0: Uh, I think I've done fairly well, so I would not change. I won't want to. I wouldn't want to change anything. With all my mistakes, I am what I am because of all the mistakes that I committed. Right. The one thing that people want to change is the mistakes that they did. But what most people don't realize it is your mistakes that made you what you are. Mm. True. I, if I wouldn't have missed on a few multi baggers I wouldn't have had Avanti so why should I change that <laughs> so I, I, I really I don't want to change anything
1: <laughs> but but any advice you would want to give to say a 20 year old yes, guy so, right so,
0: now so, so uh, one thing I would say is focus on two things one is your mental health and second is your physical health that's what I tell my daughters be physically fit Second, be mentally fit. To be mentally fi- fit, you need to read a lot. So spend a lot of your time reading. That's A reading is a fantastic tool because it's a one-way communication between the author to you. Either you accept what the author says, you don't have time to argue with him. You can't argue with him. Yeah, At true. most, you can, you can go and reply on his website. But uh, you take what you like and you ignore what you uh, don't uh, like. So, yeah. Those are the two, two pieces of advice for the 20-year-olds.
1: Yeah. And, and what don't fu- invest in crypto. <laughs> uh, what future lies for yourself and uh, for, for Equitas?
0: Okay. Yeah, I think so. We've uh, we spent the last nine years uh, building our track record. You know, Within one year, we complete 10, uh, 10 years. 10 year we're currently at 30%, 32% CAGR returns. Hopefully, we'll... If we end with those kind of numbers, we'll be the best performing in the country over that period by a country mine. We've set up, uh, we have two products domestically, PMS and AIF. We're launching our offshore fund. This is going to be a flagship offshore fund out of DIFC. So it will probably create a platform for non-residents to invest into India. And we want to create a similar investing experience for people. Second, a big thing for Equitas is we have a very young team, and this is a platform for people to fulfill their life ambitions, to fulfill their career career ambitions. So that's that's what we want we want to build a great organization. And I can't do it alone. I have a great team and I'm very, very thankful to them. I wouldn't be here without them. So yeah, that's 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 about it. We want to build a great financial organization.
1: No, that's awesome. On that great note, uh, you know, we've come to end of our conversation. So thank you so much, Siddharth. And, you know, thank, thank I, you, really, I really enjoyed the whole conversation.
0: Thank you. Thanks a lot. Thanks for having me over and all the best to you.
1: Thank yeah? you.